I went to my campus yesterday for the first time in over six months, since March 16th. It was a little weird. It was mostly abandoned. I had to return what I want to call a criminally overdue library book. I was pretty certain that I lost it. The library was had been eager to get it back for a while, but then they seemed to give up on me. They wanted $122, which might have been a fair price, I guess, for Maxine Hong Kingston's Woman Warrior. It was a book that was profoundly important to me at one point in my life, despite significant cultural differences, though minimal geographic differences, by the way, and the obvious gender and generational difference between me and Kingston, and nonetheless, the book really felt to me like it somehow reflected something important about my lived experiences in the world. Um, and this was the first time I'd taught it. There's a, a scene early on where uh, the, the girl in the story, I guess, I guess um, Kingston herself, it's, the book is packaged as a memoir, though it really isn't one. And she becomes fascinated with an ancestor, a recent relative, actually, um, who's known as the no-name woman. And it seems to her that not having a name creates a potential to construct a future for herself. Kind of like in House on Mango Street, if you're familiar with that book, where uh, the young girl wants to rename herself ZZ the X. She's trying to exercise her basic American promise and imperative to define herself by what she does rather than where she comes from. And I fully recognize that that's not available to everyone based on the prejudices of others and hang-ups they have regarding the other person's race, class, gender, sexual orientation differences that uh, continue to subject those people to judgment and act as uh, act as impediments to that basic American imperative. But what we do is still a really important defining feature of our experience. And doing the same thing as another person ought to have the potential at least to bridge some of those differences. And I truly felt that I was doing the same sort of thing that she was. And I really, really identified with her attempt to become something that she was controlling rather than something that was being handed to her. I think my response to the text uh, also speaks to the power of literature to generate empathy and to offer a change of subjectivity that allows us to be somebody else, at least for the duration of the text. I think that that's a, a beautiful function of art in our world. And I would argue the foundation of social change as well. Anyway, I don't know what happened to my earlier copies of it, but I checked it out from the library. I check out pretty much most of the books that I teach in the library and also try to assemble a little library so that I can loan them out to students and, and help mitigate the cost of of the class for them a little bit where I can. I'd implanted a memory in my mind of loaning it to a student, which I did do. That wasn't actually uh, an implanted memory. But uh, when I found the library book sitting on my shelf, just sitting there, I uh, 
suddenly remembered her giving it back to me. I felt horrible. Don't worry. Sufficiently horrible for not thinking better thoughts about my students. I should know to defer to them in matters of memory, though. The problem was I couldn't remember what student it was until after I got it back either. So, such is the effect of time upon memory, I guess. It's an interesting book. You know, uh, Kingston grew up in Stockton, and her father, Tom Hong, ran one of those illegal gambling houses like the one in Locke that I mentioned in the uh, Delta Dream podcast. He was uh, quite a character, it seems. He he was a teacher um, in his village in China, but when he came to the U.S. in the 1920s, anti-Asian sentiment and legislation was so strong in the country at the time that he had an impossible time finding legal employment. So following a string of menial jobs that he barely survived on, he got into this gambling house and uh, he, he was quite a character. He got arrested all the time um, associated with his work as a proprietor of a gambling house, but he was also very smart about exploiting the fact that uh, the police didn't know very much about the Chinese community. He could give them fake names and addresses and successfully avoid having a permanent record for a long time. So that's the family and world that Kingston was born into in Stockton in 1940. Subtitle of the novel is uh, Memoirs of a Girlhood Among Ghosts. And uh, ghosts and, and ancestors, filial piety uh, is the central concern of the book. As a young girl, she recounts thinking about a woman warrior, Fa Mulan, usually anglicized as Mulan, probably know that story, who takes her father's place in battle. And uh, she's thinking about women in her life or her past who maybe didn't sort of fully meet or fit into the expectations for women in her culture. She's navigating uh, the culture of her parents and the culture of her present in California trying to figure out um, a model to build a different type of life on. And so she's always sort of spotting or looking for uh, traces of ancestors that can help her, I guess. And primarily the no-name woman, but not exclusively. Also, she's just sort of looking to other people and seeing what they do and how they might become models for her future. In Ulysses, there's a character, the the man in the Macintosh, or the man in the brown Macintosh. He's in a a raincoat, you know, goes down to his knees. He's sort of, uh, you know, he has a hat on. He's mostly obscured. He's got a, a white face that you can see-ish, or the characters can see. But otherwise, he's difficult to uh, to distinguish, you know. Could be anyone. Bloom, the main character, I guess one of them first sees him at Patty Digman's funeral. 
and he sort of becomes obsessed with uh, knowing who he might be, or maybe more particularly, he's obsessed with knowing what he might mean to him. And then he pops up occasionally in the text, and uh, Bloom doesn't recognize him or, or come to know him, but he becomes overtaken by a strong desire to figure him out and to know what he's doing because if he knows what he's doing, he can know who he is. And uh, if you don't know the novel, Bloom is basically wandering around Dublin um, and to outsiders viewing him, he probably looks exactly like the man in the Macintosh. He's filled with his own personal motivations and desires. He's trying to do something but this other person, uh, he's doing something and is equally embodied with his own consciousness, but Bloom can't have access to that consciousness necessarily, though he recognizes him as a fellow traveler, as a twin in some ways. And I'm not talking about doppelgangers here. I think that's a different thing. There's a woman in town who looks strikingly like my wife. People will occasionally say, you know, how'd the thing work out? Or I saw you at whatever. And, and I'm like, no. And uh, eventually they met. We, they had common friends. It's a small town and there were uh, pictures. She has a picture of the two of them. And they look pretty similar. It's, it's really interesting. Um, but that's not really what we're talking about. In literature, there are doubles too, like Jekyll and Hyde or... Um, William Wilson in the Poe story or, you know, like the Fight Club situation. But that's not really what we're talking about either. Um, I think that in a way, we're talking about something different. And maybe we're talking about some different ways of forming kinship bonds. There's a great Steve Earle song that he wrote as an homage to Towns Van Zant when Towns died. Um, and he says, every place I travel to, I find some kind of sign that you've been through. And, you know, the idea is that Towns Van Zant sort of invented the model for Steve as a songwriter and that, and that he owed him some sort of filial piety, to put it in, in Kingston's, you know, terms, and that he um, was sort of still trying to read the signs that he had left him about who he was or who he was supposed to be. I don't know what we call that, hillbilly filial piety, I guess. It's not unfamiliar to me in my culture. I've talked about, um, you know, sort of encountering the ghost of my grandfather around boat building a couple of times, and I sort of see that in a lot of different ways, and I don't think it's merely inhabiting this place. I uh, remember traveling to Arkansas and Oklahoma with my father to see my grandparents at one point and just feeling a, a real sense of familiarity and a real sense of sort of cultural understanding and acceptance uh, when I was in that place. That place was full of my ancestors and made a certain amount of sense to me. There was a certain kind of like, you know, uh, autovistic resurfacing of traits attitudes and ideas that had been sort of latent in me through my culture for all of this time. And it made sense. I feel like I could move there, live there, and exist there right now if I needed to or wanted to. Bloom might ultimately identify with the man in the Macintosh, though not because he 
is like him, but because he's not. Um, the man in the Macintosh is probably just a regular Irish Catholic, and Bloom is Jewish. And it makes him an outsider, and he's subject to various episodes of anti-Semitism and just general hostility throughout the text. And so I wonder what we call this kind of connection we feel, not within our family or our friend group or even very immediately within our culture, but just sort of a general affection or connection we feel uh, among strangers or for strangers. And I guess in particular when we see them doing the same things we're doing. The reason I'm thinking about it is because I was, I was riding my bike and I saw an old friend. And I say an old friend, I mean something like the man in the Macintosh. When I was a kid, I first saw this guy who was always attired in the same way. He wore those uh, flat black cloth shoes with the brown soles like martial arts shoes, black slacks, black satin bomber jacket. He'd have a white long sleeve shirt on underneath of it. A long ponytail. He'd ride a bike. Though I have seen him a thousand times, I never have met him. But I saw him riding this bike one time and I saw him at close range when I was on the sidewalk downtown and he came by on his bike. He had a copy of the Tao Te Ching with him. And it was a book that I was utterly fascinated by and immersed in at that particular time in my life. I'd been spending a lot of time in various Chinese communities, um, kind of visiting some temples and seeing these old monks moving in and out of them. I was fascinated by the their invisibility, by the, I, don't, I wouldn't call it the secrecy of their world, but the self-contained nature of their world. I had at one point in my life worked uh, as a delivery person. I made deliveries to some of these restaurants where I saw a sort of under underworld. I, that's not really the right word for it. I mean, it wasn't sinister in any way it was just you just it wasn't visible even in the front of the restaurant again i don't think there was anything sinister about it but it was definitely a world unto itself i encountered a lot of people who uh you know were my age or older i was a kid then who uh, didn't seem to speak english who worked in the restaurants i saw these old men smoking benson and hedges 100s and playing mahjong with thousands of dollars on the table. I saw, uh, you know, all kinds of, uh, of glimpses of a world that you just simply didn't see walking around out on the street or even if you came in the front door of the restaurant. But anyway, I was reading the Tao Te Ching. I was carrying around a little copy of it that I'd hand... Um, illustrated a cover for was very fascinated by that text because it was very um, sort of equally obsessed with what wasn't there the Tao Te Ching is is interested in spaces like the space of a glass or a window uh, because they seem to be places for reflection and places for possibility and again I don't think this is just blank projection which I think is wrong I think there's something else going on here. 
This was a guy in my world who I had recognized, wondered what he was doing, and then saw him with a book that I also packed around, and I regarded him as at least some sort of fellow traveler, you know? But I've never met him, never spoken to him, don't know anyone who knows him. In fact, I've rarely even seen him at close range. Yesterday when I passed by him and I was on my bike and he was afoot, which was an inversion of our typical relationship, it had to have been the closest I've ever been to him. He looks much older now, of course, and so do I because it's 35 years later He's quite a bit older than me. He has to be in his 70s at this point. And I've seen him over and over through the years. And one of the things that's really fascinating to me is that he's never changed his look. He merely looks older, but he wears the exact same costume, if you will. I don't know if that's the right word for it. My wife used to play with a drummer from Japan. Uh, she'd been in the States for a number of years. She's, you know, permanently here. And she was a, a really, she is a, a, just a really nice and interesting person. But uh, she was, she's fascinated by the English language. And we have had a lot of conversations about it, particularly relative to songs. I remember one time we were listening to a, a Roger Miller song, My Uncle Used to Love Me But She Died. And my wife's friend said, my English is not good, but this is not right. <laughs> anyway, one time she saw me go by on my bike, and uh, she said to my wife later, I saw your husband ride by on his bike, and he was wearing an interesting mechanics costume. I thought that was so funny. I mean, I was wearing a work shirt. But, like, that usage actually is odd, but it's perfectly right. It was a costume. Anyway, my friend was wearing the same costume, except for that when I saw him yesterday, uh, he was not on a bike. I hope he's well. I hope he's not unable to ride a bike. He was also walking with a cane. Um, at any rate, he's somebody who's been in my life for all this time, and I felt a kinship with him the first time I saw him when I was just a kid. And I've never met him. He's never come into my life socially. I've never known anyone who's known him. It's not a very big town. And I've seen him a thousand times. I've seen him for every part of my existence in this town. And I still feel a strong and frankly mysterious kinship with him. I told my wife that I had seen him, and she said, well, he was probably glad to see that you were all right, too. I hope that's true. I aspire to be a character. However, I change my look often enough that there might not be that much consistency in it. If I'd have gone by him in a Camaro smoking a cigarette, he might have recognized me. I don't know. I don't know what you're supposed to do with a feeling of kinship that you have with a person you never meet. I'd be happy to destroy the mystery of this relationship by having a conversation with this person 
I think we've been on some sort of parallel path for many years and we probably know each other uh, by association through knowing this community in a way that's probably pretty significant and, and I would uh, embrace the opportunity to have that. I think of a, a documentary I saw about Walt Whitman one time that I thought was really interesting and Ed Folsom, he's an academic um, in it, he describes Whitman's uh, feeling for the world around him as urban affection and I think what Folsom means by that is that Whitman embraced as sort of friends and community members and and people in his world all of the people who passed by him and he thought about them and he cared about them and he and he was not simply turning them into an object of study for his art rather he was um, living among them and they were living among him in a way that was reciprocal and I think and I hope that's my relationship to the person I'm thinking of Folsom in that documentary quotes Whitman's notebook um, where where Whitman wrote of people he would say if I were doing that activity that person could be me and when I think about my friend I'm talking about I'm riding around on a bike doing the activity that he was doing and having people point out that I'm wearing an interesting costume and in some ways that I think is really important right now he is me.